Welcome to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. I am still Steph, and with me today is a very rad friend, someone who I've had the pleasure of meeting through the world of, dare I say, cycling, but really it's triathlon. Chris is the co-founder of VeloFix. He is an accomplished athlete by his own right. He had a life well before he co-founded VeloFix and is coming back to start lines and is, is racing um, this year en route to a spot to the 70.3 World Championships. So there's lots about Chris that I love and there's lots about Chris that I want to chat about today. So thanks for joining us, my friend. Thanks for having me, Steph. Great to talk to you. So we're in Vancouver, and he tells me that this is not his favorite time of year because apparently it's pretty chilly, but it's actually really beautiful today. It's very fleeting, though. Blue skies don't last for long, and he rode his bike to work and probably froze his fingers off. Is that right? I'm still thawing out, yeah. It, I'll take this over the, uh, the dark and the rain any day, so a little bit of cold is okay. <laughs> a little bit of cold. And we say this from Vancouver, which is like the warmest spot in Canada right now. <laughs> yeah, we've really got nothing to complain about, but that doesn't stop me most days uh, <laughs> as, I, as I look forward to the spring and summer. All right. Okay, in the name of spring and summer, that will come start lines. As I mentioned, I, I really want to riff with you on sort of two avenues of your world. One is the athlete and the other is a co-founder. Admittedly, I knew all about you back when you used to race Ironman and run really fast marathons. And then I think you went away and started a company and didn't race for a few years in there. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, we, uh, we started Velfix about well, almost six years ago now and, um, you know, trying to build a business and the beauty of, of living in Vancouver is obviously it's a, it's a world-class city and I was born and raised here, but the challenge is you, you need to travel um, yeah. from a business perspective. So heavy uh, travel schedule and then trying to build a business with my two bar- partners, David and Boris. So, and then two kids that play very competitive soccer. So Saturday, Sunday tends to get eaten up and, you know, a busy home life with my wife. So definitely uh, the racing side of things took a backseat. Always try to stay somewhat fit, but uh, yeah, excited to be back in the mix for sure. It's so fun. Well, I actually, you know, you might win the award for being the hardest guest to pin down. And I'm so grateful for your time today because I really wanted to chat with you right after your comeback race, your first 70.3. And you did that last winter. Is that right? Uh, yeah, the, uh, it was actually the first one in, in uh, the first 70.3 in uh, La Quinta and Palm Springs. So that was December, uh, I think it was December 9th. That was the first one since Ironman in, uh, in 2012. And uh, wow. yeah, as I said, it was great to be back in the mix, but a good eye opener on what I need to work on for sure. So tell me, I, I mean, my favorite post-race question is what was the highlight, the low light, and what did you learn? Oh, man, highlight, you know, actually I, I everything kind of not went wrong in the morning, but pretty cold. <laughs> Palm Springs is pretty, pretty cold in December in the morning. And, you know, I can honestly say I've never been up at uh, four in the morning in Palm Springs before. So very, very cold morning. So it didn't really warm up for the swim. Having said that, I had a pretty good swim. Uh, as you know, I am not a swimmer. Uh, so happy with that. Had a, had a wonderful bike, had a, had a strong bike and, and that was excellent. And then had some body mechanicals on the run, had a bit of a problem <laughs> with, the, uh, with the quad muscle. And, and I think that was probably a, a combination of, you know, not having spent much time on a TT bike in a long time, not getting the right nutrition in and then 
an age thing. I think everything just multiplied <laughs> by the time I started running. So, but yeah, I mean, you know what, honestly, it, it, I personally you feel so lucky just to be able to go out there and do those things and feel privileged to have the ability to do them. So, you know, the worst case scenario in the days in life in general is, is really nothing. So yeah. overall, I was super excited. As I said, it, it's just fun thing to train and, and, and ride and, and run with people. But when you're, you're racing and the adrenaline's going and, and you're out there, it's, it's incredible. So had a, had a blast. I think at the end of the day, the thing I learned is there's a lot of very, very fit people. I'm in that 40, I guess, what is it? The 44 to 50 now, super competitive, a lot of very fit people. And I have a lot of work to do before the next one, but I loved every minute of it. That's awesome. I did hear rumblings. I mean, I'm not saying this is true or not, that 45 to 55 year old men in the sport of triathlon, the majority of them happen to be doctors or have access to doctors and are really great at IV recovery drips. So yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't have either of those, but if, if anybody knows somebody that can hook me up, I definitely, uh, I would definitely take it. I, you I, have some um, veins open for, <laughs> I, I'm open. I mean, my, my post race is I went to the beer pretty quick after. Yeah. Um, how'd that work for you? It was good. It was good. I, I had a lot of pain to kill in my body. So, <laughs> but having said that, yeah, IV is probably the best way to do it. And you definitely, uh, at this age, you need to have a good recovery plan. So mm -hmm. I, I've got a great massage person in Vancouver and then been doing IMS, which has been good. But it's amazing how quickly the body breaks down when you, when you ramp up the training. Mode. Yeah, totally. Well, speaking of ramping up, first of all, congrats. I mean, it takes guts to get back to a start line, especially for someone like you who freaking fast. And you come back and think, I might not be as fast as I once was, and is it still worth it? And can I still find in me the gratitude of the privilege to do this versus, you know, the disgruntledness that you might not be winning like you used to? Yes. Yeah, yeah. The thing I, the thing I think about, honestly, and, and definitely on the run of this last one, when, when, when the body's shutting down and it's painful, is it honestly, you just, you feel lucky to be out there. And yeah. I keep telling myself that when I'm doing it. And I know, you know, being in Kona and watching you race and, and watching friends race over there and trying to yell at them and, and say that is we're lucky. And, oh, you know, there, it, it's, te it's temporary suffering for sure. And it, and it hurts, mm. but yeah, you just feel lucky to have the ability to do it. And, mm. um, and as I said, to be back in the mix because yeah. the adrenaline and, the, and the, the mental side of it is, is the stuff that I miss the most. So yeah, it's, it's fun. It's, uh, it's a whole new level. So. It's a whole new world. Well, it's the perfect segue into, you know, you forged the path of being an entrepreneur six years ago and starting mobile bike shops, VeloFix. And understandably, starting a business is a lot of work and starting a business like you did. You know, you weren't just in Vancouver, you're, you know, opening franchise partnerships and relationships across North America. It takes travel. It's stressful. Absolutely. And yet it's not that that has really changed. You just made the decision that you were going to get back in the game. And I want to know how you've gone about either carving out the time, making the time. How did you flip the switch and say, this year I'm going to get back on a start line? Yeah, there's a, there's a few things. I mean, I, I think from a home life perspective, you know, my kids have got twins that are 17 now, a boy and a girl. And, you know, as they get older and now they can drive. <laughs> got, got busy schedules it frees up the time so yeah. as you know triathlon training takes up time yeah 70.3 is is honestly a lot more manageable than the full distance but i've got more time from that perspective you know my wife is very understanding and she's got a busy schedule as well and work-wise, as a company matures and evolves, you get infrastructure in place and you've got a great team here. The travel schedule is, is not as uh, hard as it was mm. uh, when, we were, when we were opening 
you know, we're almost, almost at 150 franchises now. So uh, as we're opening them at a rapid pace, just being on the road and building up the awareness of who we are and the relationships was, was more important. But I think honestly, above and beyond all of those things, it, it's just, you just mentally have to make that commitment and yeah. everybody's busy, you know, yeah. I mean, everybody's uh, everybody that I spend time with is, is very busy from a work perspective and a life perspective and yeah. you just have to commit. And, and yeah. if it means getting up at five thirty and getting on the trainer or going to the pool, you, you can find the time. And I think that's the biggest part for me was just being around, you know, a group of guys with a cycling team that, yeah, like what's my excuse? You know, these yeah. guys are, these guys are as busy as I am. You yeah, know, people have families, people travel. So I think that's it. I think you can yeah. always find the time to do it. And then and then you need to be realistic with your with your goals and your targets because the reality is is, is I can't do it full time and I still need to get on planes and, and at the end of the day you want to try to find the balance and be realistic. But you know, mentally making a commitment to it and and I think the big thing is is putting goals on the board. Mm. Like put a put a race on the board. And for me what I do is I tell everybody about it. Mm. And that's always been my approach is like, Hey, I'm going to do this race. And you know, the, you get held accountable with the people you train with, you get held accountable with people you've told you're going to go race. And, and I think that's the thing for me more than anything is just make that commitment. And you know, every year we do fondos and, and we do some things, but you can't really F around with a, a 70.3 if you want to go fast. I mean, you right. can, <laughs> you, you really got to make the commitment to get yourself trained fit or yeah. it's going to be ugly. Yeah. And, um, I don't, I don't want it to be that ugly. So. Just fast. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's just a shorter amount of time of ugly. I don't, I don't think not ugly is an option. Just the faster you are, it means shorter time of ugliness. No, that's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's awesome. And part of this podcast and what I love about the podcast and, and what I, you know, how I get to spend my days is the joy of learning lessons from athletes and artists and humans that care about a start line and whatever start line that can be sweaty or otherwise. But what I always say about, you know, our start lines in the name of sport is the start line is unnegotiable. The gun goes off when the gun goes off. The time and the date is set wherever you're traveling to in the world. If you're going to Kona or you're, you know, off to St. George, you know today that the gun is going off on May 4th at 6 a.m. and you better be on the beach and ready to go. And I think there's a lot of lessons for us in the world of business to take from that athletic mindset because we think we can push that deadline or I'll, I'll get back to them in a week or just one more day. And it's like, no, like the gun goes off when the gun goes off. You better be there and you better be ready for it. I love the mindset and I, you know, I love your, your line. Like what's your excuse? Because we're all busy. As you said that, I was like, I'm, I'm not sure I walk around and see people that, that aren't busy. It's just whatever choices you're making to fill your days. In the name of busy, which is a, another beautiful segue, VeloFix, it's the solution to busy people. <laughs> it allows us to not have to go into a bike shop. You come to us in your truck and take care of our cycling needs. And I want to know where the idea came from and the journey in, in disrupting this space. Yeah, I think like a lot of businesses uh, that started, it starts with a pain point. You know, it really starts with, with people saying, man, this, this isn't a great experience. How can we make it better? Yeah. And, uh, and that was it. You know, my business partner, David, and I were the busy people, multiple companies, you know, kids at home, busy family lives. And we didn't understand why the customer experience was so difficult and challenging in the traditional bike shop model. Mm. Uh, our third partner, Boris, was working in a bike shop as he was going to university. So he saw the other side of it. He was frustrated 
as a mechanic working in a shop, not being able to have access to a customer or work directly with the customer. So it's very simple. It, it was just a pain point that we thought had to be solved. From that idea, it really transformed into a business that's really changed the model in North America in terms of how bikes get serviced and then eventually how bikes get purchased and, and delivered. Mm. And, you know, we started by doing service. We quickly realized that our customers looked at us for advice. They wanted to buy things. So wheel sets and, and bike computers and power meters. So we started becoming more of a retail play. We do, we have a lot of corporate customers. So Facebook, Google, Snapchat, Microsoft, Starbucks head office, they've got fleets of bikes on their campuses, but more importantly, they want their employees riding into work for various reasons. You know, everything from Tesla in Silicon Valley, where they literally don't have parking to Google in, in Venice Beach, where they bus people in because same thing, no parking and a challenge to get around. As more and more people purchase bikes online, so we work with Canyon, we do delivery for Amazon, most of those people buying a bike online don't have the time or the skill set to build those bikes and maintain them. So the business has gone through, you know, this evolution of, of servicing. What you're seeing now, I think, you know, people would have either heard of or used is bike sharing, electric bikes, regular bikes, electric scooters. We do a lot of fleet management for those companies as well as, as that starts to explode. But uh, the reality is in North America, you know, we're way behind Europe and other countries in terms of using the bike as, as transportation. And yeah. um, we're starting to see that more and more now. So that was it. So to be honest, was it wasn't, I wouldn't sit here and BS you and tell you we had all these grand plans from day one, but we definitely, yeah. we looked at the industry and thought, man, this is, you know, one of the last industries in the world that's really driven by mom and pause, you know, independent, right. independent retailers. Most other industries have been consolidated. Yeah. So we thought there was an opportunity to go in there and, and consolidate it. And, you know, we've come a long way. When we launched our business, we literally couldn't get anybody to sell to us because we weren't a, a brick and mortar store. Their first question was, what's your address? Yeah. So, well, <laughs> well, you know, we're, we're a mobile van. So yeah. from literally not getting anybody to sell to us to now the biggest fleet of mobile shops in the world. And we really think we've been able to change the business and offer, as you said, in our tagline, save time and ride more. And that, that's still every day when we get up is, is what we strive to do is just make it easier for people to ride their bike. Now, when you set out, did you think that six years later, you'd be talking about servicing corporate bike fleets as you are and, and working in this way? Or what was the vision then? Yeah, I think, you know, ultimately when we started, it, it was first and foremost, the individual. So we saw and we were the customers of, of people that were busy and the challenge to, to get your bike to a shop and then leave it there a week. Most shops are opening right. the same hours you're trying to work right. and, and the experience wasn't great. So that was first and foremost is, is how can we put a bike shop in the back of a vehicle? How can we build a back end system that route optimizes and allows people to book online? And then from there, as I said, it, it turned into the retail play. We definitely knew of the big corporate campuses and, and bikes on them and uh, more and more people commuting. But, you know, we've, we've done some really cool things. We, we service, you know, NASA's cor corporate bikes at their campuses. We built 2,000 bikes for Facebook down in Silicon Valley. So, you know, those things kind of evolved through the business. And then I think the big game changer for us was when the likes of Canyon came to North America and more and more people now buying a bike online. And, right. you know, the bike industry is way behind all other industries in terms of online shopping. And the reason it is, you know, you can buy a helmet and shoes and those things are pretty straightforward. But the reason the bike space is so far behind is because most people, when that box arrives at their house 
as I said to you, don't have the skill set or the time or even the right tools to put tools. it together. Of course. So when we offered that, you know, we call it the white glove concierge you know, last mile piece, that solves that problem for a lot of these bike brands that want to go direct because that bike gets built by a certified professional mechanic with full warranty. And then the, you know, the, the big thing that we haven't spoken about yet is the whole evolution of electric bikes. You know, that is the fastest growing segment of the bike industry by far. You know, the electric bikes, you've got all the same problems as, as a regular bike, but then you've got this electric motor that needs diagnostic and needs updating and things. So we're excited. I mean, we, we're, we're in the right place at the right time and yeah. just continue to, to add trucks and then build out the infrastructure to support them. This business, you know, we truly believe can be global. As I said, North America is probably less of a need for our business than, than Europe or South America where traffic's worse. You know, the movement of people is more difficult. And they are far more advanced than we are in terms of using bikes as transport. If you start right. thinking about the UK and, and the Netherlands and places like that. so Right. Well, I uh, may be best in the world at getting parking tickets. And the idea of riding a bike around Vancouver more would not be a bad idea. But I'm curious your thoughts specifically to Vancouver. Do you think Vancouver is saturated in terms of a cycling city? Or do you think there could be more? Well, yeah, I think, you know, I think it's been cool to see the, the bike lanes get built. Sure. And, and I, I know just personally seeing more and more people on the road. And what I've found too is, is people ride you around now. I think a lot of it's, you know, the, the, the clothing's way better than it used to be. I think it's easier for people to commute now. So I don't think it's, it's saturated yet. You obviously got bike share here. Uh, you see a lot of those on the road. But it's funny, we started the business here and, and Vancouver's got like more bike shops per capita than anywhere in North America. No and, way. Yeah, it does. And, and I don't know if that's true today, uh, but it, it was back when we started and we did all our research and the model still worked here. So I think the convenience factor of what, what we provide, just bike shops just can't provide that convenience. So I think the growth rate of, of cycling and, and electric bikes and, and then other modes of transport, electric cars and, and smaller yeah. type of cars, electric scooters, you know, all those things are just going to continue. The reality is the cost of owning a car is going to keep going up. Insurance yeah. is going to keep going up. Gas is going to keep going up. And then you know, the comment you made earlier, I ride my bike to a ton of meetings in Vancouver and yeah. I lock it up and I, and I go into the meeting. Finding parking in this city and then oh pay, you know, the cost of parking is ridiculous. You know, and now I think more than ever, you don't need to put a suit on anymore. And I right. know I'm in the bike business, which is fairly casual, but I don't have a problem in, in my jeans and, and going to yeah. a meeting and, and people are more accepting of that, I think, than they've ever been. So yeah, yeah I think the, the growth of cycling in North America, I mean, we're in, as I said, closing in on 150 franchises and we're in every major market in North America. And every time I travel, I, I get blown away, you know, places like Minnesota where you know, off the top of it, you may not think it's a, it's a big cycling culture. It's absolutely yeah. massive. And as wow. I said, people commuting 12 months a year and companies that pay their employees. You know, we work with Microsoft in Seattle. And if you commute in to work on your bike, they'll pay for two services a year. Oh, wow. So we basically got a truck parked at, at Microsoft's campus five days a week working wow. on their employees' bikes. And I think you're going to see more of that. I think yeah. you're going to see more companies put incentives in place for their employees to, to commute on bikes. I know in the UK, for example, they're, they're pretty advanced. You know, they've got these, they call them cycling schemes over there where employers will actually cover the cost of the bike. They'll take it out of your paycheck over time. The government's got subsidies that'll kick in. And I have to believe in North America, that's going to that's gonna start happening more and more because, as I said, the, the car is just, uh, it's an outdated <laughs> mode of transport that, um, trust me, I've got two kids that play soccer all over BC. So 
I still drive and there's still times I need to drive, but yeah. you know, outside of that, I'm, I'm trying to get on my bike and, and ride it as much as possible. Mm. As a casual commuter, can you tell me your top two favorite pieces of apparel that you're wearing while on a bike? Yeah, I mean, definitely gloves, which I forget mm. probably 50% of the time. And this morning, I did forget my sunglasses and, and I felt like my eyes almost froze open at one point in time. So yeah, I mean, it, the gear is still good now. I don't I don't have all of it. My commute is pretty short. I'm, I'm pretty lucky. I will admit to you that I'm on an electric bike. Uh, so I'm not sweating. I'm not working very hard. But uh, I, I think the gloves are definitely the number one thing that, as I said, I need to do a better job of remembering those. But I'm pretty good at riding with no hands hands and my hands in my pocket, which oh, is uh, some, something I've been good. working on. We'll make sure to link below to the best electric bike photo that's probably on the internet right now, which is you pacing Phil up Cyprus while on your phone. That was pretty money. Yeah, that was pretty cool. You know, I've been lucky since we started this business. I've met so many like, amazing athletes and, and spent time with them and been lucky enough to, to run and ride with world-class triathletes and cyclists. And it was pretty cool to, to go up the three Vancouver mountains on an e-bike beside a guy putting out massive watts for 20, 30 minutes at a crack. And uh, yeah, I was basically the DJ and uh, had the music crank. <laughs> That's and, amazing. Uh, it, it, it was definitely fun to, to witness something like that firsthand because definitely when I go climbing with my buddies, I'm, I'm not the guy at the front of the group. So, Right. Well, very cool. I have two questions for you. One is Velofix. In regards to people, are you hiring right now? Do you have any open roles? Who are you looking for? Yeah, absolutely. We're always looking at quality people. We've, we've got a great team in place. So we're, we're looking for a couple roles in franchise support. We're looking for a few roles in business development as well. And um, our Vancouver office is, is down by Olympic Village. It's a really cool area. And we're ground floor, a lot of bike parking, shower <laughs> here. So it's, uh, we, you know, we try to create that culture within what we're doing. And we, we also got some, some great uh, team members down in the U.S., but have some great positions for the Vancouver office. And you can find those on, on velofix.com. So looking for great people. We don't always necessarily need to be a cyclist, but we definitely look to and try to hire people that are, you know, have wellness, health and wellness is a big part of their life. And it's, when I look at our team here, it's a pretty competitive group. Cool. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. I'm just curious if Velofix offers free tune-ups. We do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we do. I, um, that, that's a big part. We offer, it's a big perk. Uh, we offer any, any gear that, uh, you know, any cycling gear that we want uh, or that they want, we pay for. I love um, it. Any parts and accessories, they get at a pretty good price. And then the other thing we do is any events they want to do is as long as they're wearing the Velofix gear, we'll, we'll pay for those events as well. Um, and, and, and try to get people out there. And as I said, it's, it's a pretty competitive team here. Well, I have to tell you that I think religiously I am running in the morning and see one of your awesome team members bike commuting into the office. And the last few weeks, it's been pretty gnarly here and pouring rain. It's typically still dark out. And it's like we see each other from meters away. And it's sh the only shout of joy on the seawall is passing each other. And I don't know if I think he's crazier for being on his bike or he thinks I'm crazier for running, but yes, we do have an awesome crew over there for sure. Yeah, there, I definitely, as I said, I'm on an e-bike. There's a couple of us on e-bikes, <laughs> but most of the, most of the crew are, are riding their bikes and definitely riding a lot longer than I do. So I always feel a little bit guilty when I roll in on the e-bike and 
sometimes with a coffee in one hand. So, but, oh. but, but, uh, I, I like to say, well, you know, I was on Zwift for a couple hours this morning. Before of course I got, you were. So. Of course. Yeah. Plug so that. I, the guilt isn't as, as bad as it probably you know, <laughs> would be normally. I love it. Well, we must wrap. Thank you for your time. Our last question is always what is currently making your heartbeat faster, Chris? Uh, I love that. That's a great question. If I can say two things. I am actually uh, looking at a plaque that we just got from Kristen Young. Uh, we won um, Entrepreneur of the Year in the Pacific region uh, last year, and we just got this plaque that says, in recognition of the people of the Velifix group of companies for their dedication and teamwork in establishing a world-class entrepreneurial company. So that makes me imp- incredibly proud. We've got a great team here. And we've built a great company. I, I love the, uh, the word world-class. I love the feedback we get from our customers, how we've, we've helped change their life in terms of getting them back on their bike or helping them at an event or, you know, just allowing them to ride more. And then the other thing is um, a foundation that Bellafix has been working with and I, I personally work with is a Challenged Athletes Foundation. And it's an incredible uh, foundation that Bob Babbitt and some people founded. And it's basically a great group of people that uh, raise money and, and spend that money and give people access to sporting life that may not have it. And it's a really cool uh, foundation. Uh, my kids and I went down to a triathlon last year and, and watched just amazing people swimming and biking and running. And it, it, uh, it really makes you stop and appreciate your life and uh, appreciate how easy we have it. And I've, uh, I've joined the team and I'm going to race uh, Oceanside in April, the 7.3, uh, as part of the Challenged Athletes team. So super, super proud of that. And my heart's beating a lot because I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm ready to race. but Oh, gosh. It's so incredible because I think – to speak to the fact that you're changing lives as a, you know the CEO, creating experiences to get people out on bikes. You know, I've said it all the time. Riding a bike makes me smile, and I'm so grateful that you have enabled me to do that. And now that you're back out on start lines, and of all the start lines to pick to kick off your season, a challenged athletes race uh, race for them is phenomenal and for those of you that don't know um, most of the people and correct me if I'm wrong Chris that are a part of CAF have a disability or have really like lost a limb or are minus something absolutely yeah it's everything and and as I said going down and watching this event in San Diego with my kids you know four or five-year-old kids that were that were born that way that are out there running around is incredible all the way up to to seniors that yeah either were either born that way or lost a limb in in accidents or obviously there's a lot of of veterans that are part of this organization yeah met some really incredible people and and i think as i said it it just if you don't come away from that appreciative of your life and, and how easy we have it the look on on my kids faces when they saw some of these incredible athletes get out of the water and they literally are getting carried out of the water (coughs) to go get on their uh, adaptive bike or wheelchair. It's it's amazing. So super proud to support that. And as I said, excited to race with the team and raise some money. Wow. We'll make sure to include a link below in the show notes. And Chris, I want to wish you all the best in your season and would just like to remind you that any body mechanical you have, you have no room for that when you're racing Oceanside. No, there will, there will be no excuses. <laughs> no excuses. All right. Have a great day. Thanks, Steph.